And we pick up again in our study of this rich, rich little letter. So, First Thessalonians chapter 4. The topic that we're on here this morning is one that even the world kind of makes fun of. Remembering uh, commercials that were made. Where's the love, man? Where's the love? I love you, man. You know, those kind of statements that you hear of in, in commercials, etc., that uh, uh, begets the, the title of the message here. You can see it in your outline there in your bulletin. Where's the love, man? And uh, really, we just want to get right into trying to just see this presentation of God's love. Um, known here as brotherly love, which we know is the word Philadelphia. Um, that's where we get that term, brotherly love. And uh, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And it's like, well, why, 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 why preach it? We're pretty good at this, right? Well, I'm not going to say anything on that, <laughs> answer that. You know what? We can say, well, look at, look at the past. I mean, just look at this past weekend, last weekend and this week, and how we shared our love with uh, the missionaries. Well, good. But you know what? We've got to press on. It's not a matter of looking back on our laurels, looking back on what we've accomplished in any way. Um, God's Word right here calls us to keep loving in the way He loved us. There is the key to this well-known topic, well-known subject matter. And I hope that you right now will just, along with me, ask God's Spirit to work in this time with this passage, lest we just grow too familiar with this kind of a thing. Let's pray. Lord, please do your work in guiding us you know that, uh, Lord, we're like stubborn sheep. We're in need of your, your Spirit's work to soften our hearts. And even as sheep, we tend to think that we've kind of put things together and we've accomplished this and we've accomplished that and, and uh, we're pretty good sheep. So, Lord, um, speak to our hearts. By your spirit, just uh, please spotlight things that need to be dealt with and help us to be a people that truly loves you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So why preach this at all? It's such a common theme. We hear it frequently. But the problem is, you and I get it mixed up. We get it mixed up too easily. We tend to use it for our own advantage, even. The idea of love. It it gets into that kind of a selfish uh, outflow. And I say that due to what we just went over in this passage in chapter 4. Because love easily can become lust. And it's not a matter of graduating at all. It's, It's a matter of declining into lust. And that's what he talked about in, in the previous section that we've, we've gone over here in 1 Thessalonians 4 about this is God's will for our lives as Christians that we keep a pure life. There's a, there's a purity factor. And remember, the only way that that can happen is through His strength, through His presence and His strength. 
His grace that you can accomplish that. So we want to uh, carry on here in, in understanding this next passage. Look at verse 9. We're just going to take verse 9 and 10 this morning. Now, as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed, you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, to excel still more. So that's what we want to try and understand here today and deal with today. You know, today, our, all of us get to... Uh, the, there's a message that keeps coming across. Just, just be tolerant with people, would you? You know, this is America, right? And, and show some tolerance. And we, somehow that has become an, uh, like a, a correlation or a parallel with love. You say you're Christians. So why don't you just love everyone? You know, that's what Jesus did. And see, we get very, it's a very sneaky kind of a drawn into kind of a way of thinking. We've got to be watching out for that. You know, yeah, we love one another. It's, you know, I get this from time to time um, when we have people come in needing something. And they'll come to Brennan or myself and they'll kind of, you know, some, some are legit, you know, that you, you recognize after trying to talk to them and, and trying to understand where they're at, you realize they're legitimate needs. But others come in and it's kind of like you can see the little cloud with a caption over their head saying, you're a church, right? You're supposed to help everyone. <laughs> And, and i.e., you're supposed to love everyone. Yes, we are. And that's what a lot of times we get caught in. And not everyone's got a legitimate need. <laughs> so it's a real challenge. But what we end up doing is we kind of, um, with that kind of understanding, we, we end up divorcing love from truth. We divorce love from truth. And we want to be careful of that. This is the cultural pull and the cultural precept that Christians can easily succumb to. But listen, there's all sorts of verses about this topic in the New Testament especially calling us to love. In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Right? 1 Corinthians 13. Love rejoices in the truth. So love and truth really go together. Should be going together. Biblical love, biblical truth really ought to go hand in hand. Now, this all in the build-up to looking at this passage, consider this. Remember who uh, the Apostle John was called? The, the beloved one, right? Why? He was the one leaning on Jesus' breast all the time, it seemed like, right? And so in that description, then later on, as he got older in the Lord and he wrote his letters, what was he writing about? Love one another. Even in his old age, the, the report is, we don't have it factualized you know, in the Scriptures, but even in his old age, he'd go to the church at Ephesus and all he could basically say was, little children, love one another. 
he kept crying that message out, proclaiming that message. But you know what's interesting? He coupled it always with belief. Not something random, something, you know, here, here it is, substantial. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So belief and, and love, his emphasis. So as we look at this passage here in 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 through 10, we're presented with this truth that brotherly love should be paralleled with the idea that it's the lifeblood of the body. The lifeblood of the body of Christ. Okay? So, we um, approach this first verse and... uh, Point number one in your outline, if you're tracking along with your outline there, is um, divinely, that love, brotherly love, is divinely imparted, divinely imparted to the church. Okay? And you, that language even, you, you kind of go, yeah, 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 I get that. Divinely imparted. But do you get that? Do you really get it? See, we, we tend to fall into, you know, these little... Uh, knowledge ruts and we just kind of go along thinking oh yeah yeah i got that one swenson i got it down yeah and i want to try and shake it up here a little bit because it is so familiar to us love is divinely imparted to the church he's talking to the church here he's addressing the church and here's an issue my friend a lot of times we just take it for ourselves But if you're a believer, it's to the church. You are the church, believers. You're the church. It's not the building. Okay? We meet together in this building, and we're the church. We, the people, we're the church who are believers in Jesus Christ. And the goal of our instruction is, 1 Timothy chapter 1, what? Love. And as I mentioned before, it, it's called, it's what Paul calls the greatest. He's saying, oh, but that was agape love. And you're talking about Philadelphos love. Guess what? The word agape is in the verse. So, there you go. <laughs> Alright, brotherly love and agape love. Self-sacrificing love. There it is in verse 9. For you yourselves are taught by God to agape one another. And uh, Thomas Watson, the, uh, one of the Puritan writers, called it the queen of all graces. It outshines all the others as the sun outshines the stars. We must understand that this gift of love is letter A, in your outline, done in, genera- in regeneration. comes about through regeneration. It doesn't come about for any other reason. It comes about divinely imparted by God in regeneration. Okay? It's in coming to faith in Christ. Love is one of the main birthmarks of the new believer and of the church. It's like a birthmark. You walk up to someone and you see the birthmark and there it is. That, that's what it is. It's supposed to be love. That's why Paul writes these verses out. Mark them down. Titus chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. Not 
on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become what? Children of God. A beloved term. Even to those who are, even to those who believe in his name, who were born, verse 13, who were born not by, of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. That's how we end up saying we can love one another. Because God first loved us. Through God's gift of salvation, He has bestowed His love upon each child of God. And that's why 1 John, the emphasis in the book, uh, the little letter of 1 John is so critical for us. Because it's really testing you and I and drawing us back to this standard of love for one another. Now, I'm going to address some of these other issues here in a little bit, but it's only given to you through regeneration. If you're not born again, you can love other people. You might even have a, a mature approach to it, but it's not unto the glory of God. It falls short. And so, therefore, Christian, we are being called to this kind of love. It's ours in Christ. It, it's yours. It's there. And not only a love for brothers and sisters, but a love for God and a love for His Word. So, we have that in regeneration. Letter B, also in relationship. And what I mean by in relationship is that it's a, excuse me, it's an ongoing issue it's not just i i'm so uh i get i in my in my life there i know there's such a great emphasis on what happened when you were born again well yeah you're born again and that's great that 20 30 however many years ago you were born again but what's going on right now in your life what's going on right now to demonstrate that you are in relationship with Jesus Christ. Too many of us have banked on the past. We bank on the past uh, events of our lives. I've referred to it in the past. You know, oh, I went to this camp. I went to this conference. I went to this big mega church. And wow, did God really speak to me? Well, good. I'm glad. But what's going on today? What's going on tomorrow? And whatever day you have been given by God, what's happening? I appreciate Chris's emphasis at prayer time. You know, here's the will of God. Rejoice always. Give thanks always. This is the kind of thing that we ought to be known for. It ought to be my birthmark, right? So, our relate in regards to relationship, letter B, there are two aspects. It's our identity. If you're saying you're a Christian, this is your identity in Christ. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love 
the Father has given unto us that we should be called children of God. A lot of times we just rattle right through that like it's no big deal. You know why? Here's why. We put too much emphasis on numero uno right here. It's all about me, right? That's why 1 John 3 verse 1 is not a big deal. Yeah, I'm a child of God. Yeah, I go to church. I want to shake it up, my friend. I want to shake it so that you understand more about the delicious, wonderful truth that you're a child of God and you don't even deserve it. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. It's, it's because He first, what? Loved us and gave His Son as the propitiation for our sins. 1 John 4, verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another. Why? For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So therefore, you're saying you're a Christian. Therefore, you should have that just tattooed on your... Not, you shouldn't tattoo it, but you, you know what I mean. The idea that you have it as your mark, because that's the way you conduct your life. And so... It's not just identity, it's evidence. I got my driver's card and I even probably have my AARP card in here. But I know the evidence speaks otherwise. Oh, come on. The evidence doesn't point to that fact that I'm an you know, AARP guy. I look young, right? Except for... <laughs> no. So, identity... And evidence. Do you have the identity? You're in Christ. Do you have the evidence? Is it being displayed? Are you guilty of love? Right? First John 4.16 God is love and the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in Him. There's many a time in your week, my friend, where you, you stop and think about it and you're realizing... Ah, I don't, I don't really feel like I'm abiding in God. I, I, again, miss the mark. Yes, you do. And yes, I do. That's why I need Jesus now. Not 20 years ago. Not in my confession uh, of saving faith 20-some years ago. Not in the fact that I was baptized. Not in the fact that I, I really attend church on a regular basis. No. But because of who Jesus is. He's risen from the dead. And these are the things that we are banking on Him. We're trusting Him. Okay, so this phrase in verse 9, back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9, look at it. Now, as to the love of the brethren, Philadelphia. You have no need for anyone to write to you. Almost like you're, you know, the guy can, you can give yourself a pat in the back. No, no, no. It's because of impart, divinely imparted love. That's why. It's there in your DNA as a Christian. It's there. And then he goes on to say, for you yourselves are what? Taught by God. And that is the idea of a relationship. It's not that the Apostle Paul spent so much time talking about it, or the Apostle Peter, or anyone else. It's that we're taught by God. As you spend time in the Word... You understand that. You're no better than anyone else. 
And God says, love one another as I've loved you. So that's a part of the gift of salvation that we've received is this love. So that's number one, that you, you, you as a believer, it's been imparted to you. You've received his love by being born again. Number two, according to verse 10, it's diligently improved upon by the church. What is? Love. That's what he's saying here. That you, church, diligently improve upon loving one another. That's what he says. Look at it. Verse 10. For indeed, you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in all of Macedonia. So that's now in the region around Thessalonica. The, these believers in Thessalonica now are demonstrating this in not just in their little community, in their city, but in the region. He's saying you're, you're displaying it in Macedonia. But then he says what? End of verse 10. Look at it. But we urge you, brethren, to excel still more. So why? You know, it's like they had obviously had practiced brotherly love, but Paul says, you indeed practice it, but we urge you, excel still more. That word excel means to exceed, to be overflowing, to abound in, to make abundant. So what's the implication for the church regarding this? Well, I would break that answer into two categories, negatively speaking. What's the implication for the church? Negatively speaking, don't just sit back as if we have uh, truly loved and don't need to do it anymore. Hey, I, I did that when I was younger and stronger, so I, 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 I did my time. So don't do that. Don't think that way. If you catch yourself thinking that way, let's get back to saying, oh, I need to remember. I'm to press on, and, and Paul urges us to excel still more with loving one another. Positively speaking, it's just the idea, you know, we, we want to increase in this way. We want to grow in this way. Now, how? Say, how do I grow? Okay, I'm with you, Woody. I'm with you. But how? How do I grow? Do I, you know, how do I do it? Do I sign up for the love class? <laughs> what? What? How? Okay, this is where... We, we have to do some thinking now. It's not very difficult at all, but it's important thinking that we go through this. We already affirm that He loved us first. Amen? Yeah, right. <laughs> Come on. Therefore, we must always, not just on Sundays, but always draw upon His example of love. Because why? He is the perfect example of love. It gets back to the fact that we received it through regeneration. It wasn't in your idea or my idea. It was God's. And so we ask ourselves, have we attained to this love yet? No. Quite simply, no. You haven't and I haven't attained to this kind of love. Because typically, what... I, I know I can do many a time. I can love when it's convenient for me. You there? You understand that? 
you, you love when it's convenient for you. Or, you know, it's, oh, you know, that person looks really nice, so I, I could love that person, you know. I like, I like them. <laughs> and that's another thing we, we do. It's just the ones we like. And thus, what can happen, what can happen is that clicks form because, you know, we, 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 we have our, our group, our, our little circle. And we love each other. You just need to get into our circle and find that out. Is that how Jesus laid it out? No. And see, I know the challenge this is to my own heart and my own life. And I, I know that it's a challenge to each one of us. Each one of us. So here's how you and I can grow in this way. Here's how. It's under number 2A, through growth in knowledge. Through growth in knowledge. Well, that sounds simple. Well, let's check it out here. If I'm to grow and increase in love, there's got to be an intentional effort on my part. And it's got to be intentional. So that I would ask God for His help to apply the Word of God into my relationships. Okay? Because that's the key. It's like, I'm not living on an island and you are not living on an, an island and therefore we have all sorts of relationships and so we need to apply it to our relationships. Now, if we were all doing that, we would be showing His kind of love more and more and really our community would see it. But that's not where we live on a consistent basis. Think it over. At what level do we experience our problems? Most of our problems, not all, but most of our problems come in regards to relationships with people. Be, there, be they family or friends or acquaintances. Most of them come from our relationships with people. So keep in mind here, the context of this passage is about brotherly love. Love for those... Where? In the family of God. That's where it's first of all dealing with in, from this passage. He's saying it's about brotherly love. Yes, it extends into those that are not a part of the church. But right now, he, it's about here are these relationships in the church. And our interrelational problems are largely fueled by, stay with me, how you think. It's about how you think towards another person. And our thoughts, let's face it, our thoughts can easily shift into self-centeredness. I'm going to defend myself because I feel like I'm being attacked. Right? And that's, what, that's how we go. And here's how knowledge will help you and I when we have these kind of conflicts and these kind of relationship problems. To overcome the tendency to be self-centered, I've got to... Can, I've got to manage, if I can use that term, I've got to be able to manage these other questions that pop up in my mind saying, oh gee, does John and Marilyn really love me? Do, you know, are they, do they really show me love? And, you know, I don't, I don't quite feel it from you guys, you know. Listen, my mind gets thinking that. Your mind gets thinking that. And you know what happens? Up starts the little brick wall. I'll just kind of shut you out. Yeah, you guys too. 
And because you don't, I'm not quite sure if you love me. We're going on the wrong basis. You see that? Go back and ask yourself this again and again. Ask yourself this question every day. How has God loved me? And then start answering it. Not just in a Christianese way. Jesus loved me and died for me on the cross. That's how. (laughs) But get more detailed in it. How has God loved me? And here's why I, I need to ask myself that question. Because I am commanded in Scripture to love you. How? As He loved me. See, there's the, there's the platform for which we go. So how has Christ loved me? So again, be intentional with this. He loved me in redeeming me. And then stop and think, what, what was the condition I was in when He redeemed me? What condition were you in? I was unlovely. I was unworthy of his love. I was like the leper. I had, sin had brought about leprosy in my life. He met me in an absolutely unworthy condition. Not only was I helpless, but I was a violator of his law and I was an enemy of God. And he met me in an absolutely helpless condition. I couldn't do anything to help my cause. Do you understand that? That's where we are. He found in me one who was deserving of wrath. He found in me one who was deserving of punishment. Right? It's not that you are so, you know, that cute little Woody. Come here. You, yeah, you're just so whatever. No. I was in, in iniquity. I was formed in my mother's womb. Okay? So, and listen. <laughs> then he came along and gave me the best treasure ever. And that treasure is Jesus Christ himself. Not things going my way. No. Because things haven't gone my way. Things haven't gone your way. He gave me Himself. He is the treasure of heaven. Okay? And in giving Himself, He forgave my sins. He pardoned me. He set me free. He made me His own. He adopted me into His family. And He gave me His righteousness. So now, I'm accepted in the Beloved. Yeah. Let me just take a little rabbit trail at this point, okay? Listen, I was a good church boy in the Lutheran Church of, uh, back in Minnesota. I was a really good little church boy. I did the acolyte thing, all that. Had the robe, all that. I, I, I like to sing now. I like to sing back then. You know, I'd sing the hymns. It wasn't because he saw in me that I was a good little boy. It wasn't because I was, uh, you know, whatever I was in junior high and high school, that I scored points with God. It wasn't because I was such a dashing young man at college. (laughs) It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't because of that. So with that in mind, keep your finger in 1 Thessalonians and go to Ephesians chapter 1. 
You know, you have to keep this in mind. It's not like, you know, by the age of 19, God finally saw me. (laughs) And he, yeah, he looked down, boy, I want Woody on my team. I, you know, he'll do, he'll just do a great job. It wasn't that way. And Ephesians 1 tells you about it. I better get there. (laughs) Ephesians. I'm going to read along. You follow along. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him In love He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself according to the, what? The kind intention of His will. It's to the praise of His glory. So, it wasn't like I was discovered at 19. You weren't discovered at some, whatever your age was. What is God saying here? What is God saying? He's saying He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. God's got a bigger plan than we see, my friend. But you know what? You know why I've gone off on this little path? Why? He loves us. It's because He loves us. And even there, there's a bigger picture. It's for His, all all for His glory. It's all for His glory glory okay along with if you've written down ephesians 1 3 through 5 you write this one down second thessalonians second thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13 but we should always give thanks to god for you brethren beloved by the lord beloved by the lord beloved by the lord because god has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification, by the Spirit, and faith in the truth. See how that comes together? Here's why we're called to love one another. Another reference to mark down, just jot it down. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So, that comes in, understanding what He did for you and for me in salvation. He gave us His righteousness. And now He faithfully loves me every day. He remains faithful. That's how He has loved me. He has loved me when I have loved Him. But probably the bigger issue is He has loved me when I haven't loved Him. So, when I understand more of how Christ has loved me, I call to mind that the Word of God commands me to love you as Christ has loved me. If it's not from the Word of God, then it's from my own effort. And I'll say, well, I like you and I'll love you, but I'm not sure about you and I'm not going to go there with you because I'm a little uncomfortable. Jesus didn't do that. See, when I put this into action, when I think this way then God will transform 
your relationships with other people. Why? A simple statement. Beloved, love one another. Okay? I need to get rid of the expectations I have of others. Like, well, kind of the 50-50 thing. We need to get rid of the expectations we place on others in our thinking and then place the responsibility because you are commanded. It's not an option. You're commanded to love me. Ha <laughs> ha. And I need to love you because I'm commanded. If it was left up to me or you, we would just love our little huddle of people. And my friend, Parkside Bible Fellowship, we can have that problem where we just love one another. Are you in agreement with that? We can just love one another. And when we have someone new come in, we'll, you know, we might introduce ourselves and, and that's good. That's good. I'm, I'm just saying, we need to learn to love and excel. That's what the passage is saying. Excel in this. So, when I say uh, uh, this is about knowledge, this is how we grow to love one another through knowledge. What we're saying is, we've got to reject the worldly counsel that we get all the time and go after what Christ has taught us in His Word. We need to get away from the things that we're just so familiar with, our, just, our knee-jerk reaction, don't bother me now. <laughs> That kind of thinking. Then we'll start growing in love more and more and more. Letter B under number two is to grow in acts of service. Now it's not just knowledge, but here's acts, actions, deeds of service. Practice them more and more, then talk about it more and more. That's what John said about loving, not just in word, but in, in deed. Active loving starts with denying yourself, dying to yourself. We sang about it this morning. Rid me of myself, I belong to you. Right? So God help us to deny ourselves, to die to ourselves, and to put others first. As long as we're doing a little singing, Jesus and others and you, what a wonderful way to spell joy. Jesus and others and you. That's the order. And there's joy. <laughs> okay? It's developing, listen, acts of service just help you develop into a better servant. That's what Jesus wants. That's what he came to do, to serve, not to be served. So, there we go. Now, next week... We'll be jumping into verse 11 and 12 to finish this passage up. It's not done yet, but this is the, this is the meat of it right here this morning. The issue of really loving our brothers and sisters. And you know what happens when we do? People will see that. Outsiders will see it. And as we do, are we Remembering how God loved you, you know, and getting specific about that. John chapter 13, 
We're going to use this as our transition into communion time. John chapter 13. Please turn there. In John chapter 13, we find our precious Savior's amazing example. Chapter 13, verse 1, acknowledges that he knew his hour had come. Having loved his own, he loved them to the end. And then on to his acts of service and love to his disciples by doing what? He stripped down. He put on the, the robe, uh, the, 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 the clothes of a servant, if you will. Stripped down and, and, and bent down on his knees and washed their feet. This is the first of two demonstrations of his love. Here's John 13 and here's John 19 and 20. The second one was the ultimate where he gave his life at Calvary. He laid his life down to die on the cross for you. And he served us in that way. He not only served the disciples and he stooped down. That's the idea of love. Stooping down, serving. But then he became their substitutionary sacrifice on the cross. That's why we sing about the cross today. Lead me to the cross. Brotherly love is not an option for us, church. It's not an option. And I know, just because we've had this message, doesn't mean we're going to hit 1,000, a batting average of 1,000 all the time. We're going to fail. But we need to say, Lord, please help us now to renew ourselves to this mission to love one another and to love the world in this way, to love people that do not know the Lord. Brotherly love is not some little, uh, nice little extra effort that we tag on to all we do. Remember, I said at the beginning, it's the lifeblood of the church. And as we love the way God would have us to love, we bring forth growth here. You watch. If we truly love one another, then you watch. You'll see it. You'll see growth. But more importantly, we'll be giving glory to God. That's what we need to be doing. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. So, dear Lord, please help us to love one another and to abide in life, to abide in you. Help us, Lord, to recognize when we've gone off on our own, we've gone off into our own agenda. Help us to realize that we are, in essence, abiding in death. Lord, we, are, we say that we are your children. And so help us then to have the birthmarks, the identity, the evidence that we are yours. Thank you for the amazing example of Jesus who washed the disciples' feet and then went on to Calvary laying down his life for sinners like me. Thank you, Lord, that we can remember your death, remember your suffering, and partake of it right now in communion.
And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.